Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Malcolm Caminero, coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Natalie Lozano. It's Wednesday, October 4th. On today's show, the city of Los Angeles is attempting to control overcrowding in animal shelters. And did your phone go off today? FEMA tested emergency phone alerts. And the metro is free today. All that and more from From where where we are. Before we get into today's news, let's go to Anthony Bettino for today's headlines. Anthony, my guy, what's going on in the world? Thanks for having me today, Malcolm. There's a lot going on in the world today. In Venice, Italy, there was a deadly bus crash resulting in the death of 21 passengers. Italian officials are investigating the cause of a fiery bus crash that happened on Tuesday night, leaving 21 passengers dead, including the bus driver and two children. With the ongoing investigation, little is known about the cause of the accident. However, video sh- videos show the bus crashing through a guardrail and flipping over, according to the head of the bus company. Condolences have been sent by the President of Italy as well as the Prime Minister. On Wednesday, the Biden administration announced that they plan to forgive another $9 million in student loans. The relief is granted thanks to fixes in income-driven repayment plans and public service loan forgiveness. This plan will help over 125,000 people to be able to afford college tuition and will go towards people who worked in public services for at least a decade, people in income-driven repayment plans, and borrowers with disabilities. According to Mark Kantrowitz, a higher education expert, Joe Biden has forgiven more student loan debt than any president. Manhattan Beach motorcycle officer Chad Swanson was killed on the 405 today. Officer Swanson was driving north when he was involved in a four-vehicle crash. One of the cars was speeding and merged into Swanson's lane, causing him to be thrown off his motorcycle. Swanson was in critical condition on the way to the hospital and died due to his injuries once he arrived. Swanson was 35 with a wife and three children, along with being a recipient of the MPPD Lifesaving Award. FAFSA has announced that they will no longer consider how many children a family has in college, but USC will not be doing the same. This means if a family has multiple children in college and paying for all of their tuition, FAFSA will not take that into account. However, USC will still consider siblings in college when looking at financial aid for incoming students. While USC students will not be affected by this, is it expected to have damaging effect on thousands of families? This change is a part of the FAFSA simplification changes for the 2024 to 2025 school year. For the first time in five months, the late night shows are back on the air. I heard you missed us, we're back! It has been too long! Five months, I love you guys. I miss everything here. This week, talk show hosts like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and Stephen Colbert return to TV screens across the nation. This summer's writer's strike caused a hiatus for these shows that lasted over 140 days. With no writers working, there's no one to make the scripts and skits for the hosts. The writer's strike ended last week, granting them better working rights and allowing shows like these to get back to entertaining people all across the country. That's all the headlines for today. Back to you, Malcolm. Thank you, Anthony. We appreciate you for your time.
Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has been shoved out of his seat. In a historic move, House conservatives joined by some Democrats who handed him the Speaker's gavel in January took it away yesterday. Shortly after passing a short-term funding bill, McCarthy was voted out of his position in a 216-210 to 210 tally. There is no clear successor so far, but Alex Athen has more on the story. In a historic vote on Tuesday, Kevin McCarthy was removed from his position as Speaker of the House. The 118th Congress, which has a slight Republican majority, is now challenged with replacing McCarthy. The Speaker of the House serves as the third in line to the president and has the ability to select who will serve on committees, a key role for members of Congress in their individual paths to re-election. McCarthy's path to the speakership was not easy as it took 15 rounds of voting and many concessions by the Republican California representative before being approved. Many of these concessions favored far-right representatives of the Republican Party, including Matt Gates of Florida. The vote to remove McCarthy came after Gates deemed the speaker out of line with the agreements he had made in order to be approved for the position. We spoke with Dan Schnur, professor at USC Annenberg and Marshall, and the communication director for John McCain's 2000 presidential campaign about this party ousting. In any two-party system, you're going to have very large differences between members of the same party. And so it actually has become somewhat frequent, particularly in the Republican Party in recent years, for its most conservative members to become harshly critical of their more centrist leaders. This is the most egregious example of that kind of internal fighting. But the fight itself is not all that unusual. And as these differences within party lines may not be so unusual, Schnur does find Speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry of North Carolina's timeline to elect a new Speaker of the House to be unrealistic. The, the acting Speaker, uh, Representative McHenry, has said that he wants to host a debate next Tuesday night with the candidates for Speaker and have a vote the following day. That's a very, very ambitious timeline. And while it's not impossible, it would be very, very surprising if the Republican caucus was able to come together behind a candidate in only seven days. Two members of Congress have already put their names into the race for the speakership. Representative Steve Scalise of Louisiana and Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. There has also been buzz of former President Trump and Hakeem Jeffries, a Democratic representative from New York, being considered for the position as well. Executive Director of USC Dornzeif Center for the Political Future, Kami Akavan, adds to the sentiment of how difficult it could be to elect a new Speaker of the House. It will be very difficult for any candidate to be able to get enough votes to make all the concessions necessary to fight all the fights with the far right um, and to perhaps make bridges with the Democrats uh, and earn some of their votes. So I don't know what that path is going to look like for Scalise, for Jordan, or even for somebody who is not a member of Congress like President Trump. As for what we should expect in the coming days, Akavan believes it'll be a tough road. I know it will be fraught. I know it won't be pretty. I know it will be a sad reflection of our social division and political division. Uh, and and that's unfortunate, but that's that's where we are. Next Wednesday, we'll see if that debate for speakership will lead our representatives to a speedy resolution. For Annenberg Media, I'm Alex Athen. This might be the largest healthcare strike in history. 
Thousands of Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers began striking today in LA and across the US. And as Cam Kaufman reports, picketers are protesting over fair wages and better staffing. Kaiser, Kaiser, you're no good. Treat your workers like you should. An estimated 75,000 Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers began a three-day strike today across the U.S. The strike included multiple Kaiser locations in L.A. At Kaiser's Sunset Boulevard location, more than 400 healthcare workers took to the streets starting at 6 a.m. after days of contract negotiations failed to produce an agreement. Kaiser said it reached several agreements over specific demands made by the coalition of Kaiser Permanente unions. But strike captain Daniel Alejandro Lopez says Kaiser is not meeting them at the table. If it really mattered to the executives to bargain in good faith, this would not be happening today. Kaiser issued a statement that said rising inflation has led to a massive surge in expenses and has made it tough for the company to balance taking care of its employees and remaining affordable to patients. Those striking include licensed vocational nurses, emergency department technicians, medical assistants, and many more. Licensed vocational nurse Jessica Cruz said she'd rather not be out on the picket line. And we'd rather be in with our patients, you know, helping, but patients are telling us like, hey, you know, we need sooner appointments and, you know, we're just trying to be like, you know, it's not us, it's Kaiser executives who are not listening. And to get healthcare workers back inside, ward clerk transcriber Joanna Isaiah says it all comes down to Kaiser meeting them halfway. Well, we would love to resolve it, but you know, until we can get that staffing crisis taken care of, we're going to have to do what we have to do because otherwise, you know, patient care is just going to keep going down the hill. The strike is set to last until Friday, but could go longer if no agreement is reached. For Annenberg Media, I'm Cam Kaufman. LA is no longer selling permits to address overcrowding in city-run animal shelters. Reporter Angelina Hicks has the details about the motion brought up in today's City Council Committee meeting. LA animal shelters are critically overcrowded and understaffed. The problem has gotten so bad that a trip down to one of the city-run shelters reveals the severity with just a quick glance around. LA Animal Services General Manager Stacy Danes describes this issue at the LA City Council's Neighborhoods and Community Enrichment Committee meeting this morning. Right now we are putting animals in every single available cage. We are purchasing cages. We are using donated cages and crates, popping them up in the hallways um, and in areas where animals are not safely housed. Dane says there's about one staff member for every 100 animals at any given time in the city's six shelters. The industry standard is one staff member for every 30 animals. To address these issues, the city is considering a pause for new breeding permits. The Neighborhoods Committee voted unanimously to introduce this ordinance, which will be brought back to the full council at a future meeting for a more formal vote. And as a city, we got to step up. L.A. Councilmember Eunices Hernandez says the city needs to do better to help animals in the shelters. We can't keep trying to do this with Band-Aids when we got arterial bleeds happening. Danes was appointed to the general manager role in June. Since she started, she's been working to address these issues across the city, 
pausing the breeding licenses is just one aspect of the goals she's discussed over the past few months. The importance of a moratorium is to signal to the community clearly that our shelters are not in any position to take in one more animal. Speakers at the meeting were concerned at the state of breeders in the city and called for more to be done than just pausing licenses. LA resident Daniel Gus said the issue goes beyond licensed breeders. You have a, a problem uh, for overcrowding for backyard breeders and abandonment. There is a tire business in my neighborhood that has a breeder permit, a tire business breeds pit bulls. Uh, it's nice to stop the breeder permits, but that's not the problem. More than 1,000 permits have already been issued so far this year. Dane says there isn't any kind of oversight after a permit is issued. After applicants pay the $250 fee, they're given the permit without any other regulation besides a yearly renewal. Sasha Abelson, an L.A. resident who runs a rescue in the city, says the lack of oversight is overwhelming local rescues who can't keep up. We are, as rescues, battling every single day to try and provide free and low-cost spay and neuter, and the city is working against us by issuing these permits, and I don't understand why. If approved, the ordinance will pause breeding licenses immediately until the shelter system's capacity falls below 75% full. It would also be automatically reinstated if the capacity rises above 75% once again in the future. For Annenberg Media, I'm Angelina Hicks. During the meeting, LA Animal Services General Manager Stacy Danes also told council members she will request $3 million to fund 120 as-needed staff. Natalie, I'll be honest, when that song came on, a tear almost fell from my eye. I thought that was going to be a sad story, but I'm really glad that the animals found some safe shelter and that they're finally being protected. I'm really glad, too. I love animals. I couldn't handle a sad story. <laughs> The Turkish ambassador to the U.S. recently spoke at USC Annenberg. The event was met with backlash from Armenian students who were upset about Turkey's involvement in Armenian prosecution in Azerbaijan. Turkish guest speakers and students were harassed during the protest, with protest protesters proclaiming Turkey hunting season is open. I arrived and there were already a couple of protesters outside. That's when I started to get a bit nervous about attending. <laughs> The USC Turkish Graduate Student Organization have put out a statement condemning the handling of the Turkish ambassador's visit. They believe their security and belonging at USC has been affected and it is now daunting for them to embrace their Turkish culture on campus. We reached out to a few Turkish students and only one who attended the event last week agreed to talk. Daphne Yaman, a journalism student, told us about her time at the event. Although she is of Turkish heritage, Daphne can understand why the Armenian students felt the need to protest. Was obviously like taken aback, especially when you know the protests started inside the news, like the conference room. Um, I had gone with the intention of like meeting other Turkish students. And obviously that didn't go very well. I, le I left maybe after like 20 minutes because it was just like, oh, like way too much. And as a Turkish person, like I don't have the right to say like how they should have protested. Um, obviously, like no one's going to condone violence. 
but I commend the Armenian students for protesting. Me as a Turkish person and as a Turkish student at USC, like I condemn USC for even inviting those diplomats here in the first place, regardless of what's happening in Azerbaijan with the Armenians. For one of my journalism assignments, like this semester, we're supposed to like pick a community in LA and like investigate them and had chosen um, the Turkish community. But after what happened last Friday, I like abandoned that idea. For Annenberg Media, I'm Selena Corsa. In a statement to Annenberg TV News, the Armenian Student Association said none of their members participated in violent actions during the protest and they do not condone any non-peaceful rhetoric. There's a lot of things I love about L.A. The beach, the food, gosh, the weather, the people, occasionally. But you know what I hate? Oh, no. I'm nervous. What do you hate? The traffic. Man, the traffic out here is brutal. I have to agree completely. I'm one of those people where I don't care how long the drive is, but the whole start and stop thing drives me nuts. Drive. Last week you said you didn't drive. What you talking about, Natalie? You're right. I don't. But, you know, when I'm in a car and someone is driving, I'm like, please, can we just get there? Okay, passenger princess, I got you. But with all those cars on the road, I'm really curious to see how polluted the air in L.A. County really is. I think Stephen Noble answers that question. Los Angeles, Visalia, Bakersfield, Fresno, those are cities in California and happen to be the four most polluted cities in the U.S., according to the American Lung Association. In an effort to reduce pollution and raise awareness about air quality, the state of California is celebrating its sixth annual Clean Air Day. And do you hear that sound? That's the sound of free metro rides, because the metro has partnered with the state to offer free rides to everyone all day. Patrons, like frequent rider and California resident Gregory Bayer, says people are taking full advantage of the Clean Air Day promotion. It's crowded already. I mean, it's only midday and it's crowded. Usually it gets crowded after three, but today it's crowded now. Other riders, like USC freshman Casey Bajak, seem to appreciate the state's push for sustainability. I do. I'm a, I'm a big proponent in like keeping the environment safe. And I believe that the metro, along with other public transportation methods, is, is a way of keeping that, keeping the contamination of the air down. Yeah. Riding the metro is just one way to reduce air pollution. If you're looking for other ways to celebrate California Clean Air Day, visit cleanairday.org. For Annenberg Media, I'm Stephen Noble. Please do not be alarmed. Remain calm. Do not attempt to leave the dance floor. The DJ booth is conducting a tr- tr- troubleshoot test of the entire system. So I was at work today, and out of nowhere, I just hear the loudest ear-screeching noise play from my phone. And then it played off my co-worker's phone, and the library was just a mess. I heard that would be happening today, but I didn't get the alarm. I'm starting to think there might be something wrong with my phone. Yeah, that sounds like a skill issue. But I know today the Federal Emergency Management Agency also known as FEMA, teamed up with the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, to send out a nationwide test through emergency and wireless alert systems. Jane Walgren was in USC's media center at the time. This is a nationwide test of the emergency alert system. At 11.18 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, that message hit all TVs across the nation. 
And simultaneously, phones sounded off with that sound we've all heard before. You know that beep, beep. Similar to an Amber Alert, the notification dropped down at the top of the screen as a presidential alert, accompanied by an intense vibration and an alert that read, This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. The purpose of the test was to assure all emergency alert systems are functioning properly and can alert the public should a national emergency occur. I was in USC's media center at the time, and even though we were all anticipating a startling alert or to hear something unusual, which didn't happen, the alert was still a success. For Annenberg Media, I'm Jane Walgren. Fun fact about me, Natalie, I really enjoy donating blood. I try to give once, maybe twice a month. No way. I haven't been able to donate blood yet, but do you no- donate often? Are you feeling okay now? I try to do it as often as I can. I think it really cleanses my cycle out, but I'm cool. Thank you for asking. I'm glad you're feeling better. So Trojans, have you given blood yet? Yes, you listening in right now, have you given blood? On September 11th, the American Red Cross declared a national blood shortage, citing a low blood supply level that dropped nearly 25% since early August. Today on campus, Livestream Blood Bank, who distributes blood to more than 80 Southern California hospitals, held a blood drive in the village. Corinne Rostogi has more details. Dozens of USC students gathered in front of the village dining hall today for a good cause. I've been meaning to donate blood, so I came with my partner and um, I don't know, it's always been in the back of my mind, something I want to do. I feel good about it, um, proud that I did it, happy. USC junior Kelsey Perez was one of many students who decided to give blood today. Jose Luis Garcia is one of the supervisors at Lifestream Blood Bank. He says that Southern California hospitals are feeling the shortage. Especially after like the pandemic, we're kind of, I think we're mostly kind of playing like catch up, um, trying to replenish all the blood we needed um, since in the uh, pandemic, um, most of our donors ended up, stopped, uh, they stopped coming in uh, due to safety and uh, safety concerns. In addition to the effects of the pandemic, the American Red Cross cites a busy travel season and back-to-school activities as reasons for the potential drop. We spoke to students who decided to donate today. USC junior Matthew Vega explains why he decided to donate. Back in high school, I used to donate. Um, it was like a big event at my school, like a, uh, a Red Cross blood donation, and I I helped organize it. I helped uh, gain some signups. I felt really passionate about the event. To thank those who donated, Livestream gave them a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. Livestream Blood Bank hosts blood drives once a month on campus, and students can donate with or without an appointment. Otherwise, students can use the Red Cross's website to find the closest blood donation location to them. For Annenberg Radio News, I'm Curran Rostogi. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Natalie, I got a burning question to ask you. Tell me, what is it? Do you feel that it's too early to start thinking about Christmas? (laughs) Malcolm, it is never too early to start thinking about Christmas. Oh my gosh, Mackenzie, why are you playing this song right now? We haven't even reached Halloween. 
What do you mean? It's only 82 days until Christmas, and the USPS mailroom has started accepting letters to Santa for their annual Operation Santa program. What's the Operation Santa program? Okay, I know a lot about this because I do it every year with my family. You do? Tell me more about it. Okay, so naturally, Santa needed some help. Of course he does. He's really busy keeping track of who is naughty or nice. Exactly. So Santa partnered with the U.S. Postal Service. As of three weeks ago, children can write letters addressed to Santa at 123 Elf Road in the North Pole. No way that's actually Santa's address. Yes way. It's actually 123 Elf Road, and he even has his own zip code, 88888. Girl, that's a lot of eights. Is it because eights look like snowmen? You know what? I never realized that. Anyways, after they send the letters, people who volunteer to be Santa's elves can adopt letters and buy a special gift. These gifts are then shipped from any participating post office from Santa himself. Wow, that is a really great way to give back during the holiday season. When can I become one of Santa's elves and purchase a gift for kids on the nice list? You can register to adopt a letter on November 6th, and letter adoption starts on November 20th. This makes me super excited to give back this holiday season. Me too. You can even come shopping with me and my family. Oh my gosh, yes! I would love that! I guess it's never too early to be in the holiday spirit after all. For Annenberg Media, I'm Tolo Benro. And I'm Mackenzie Johnson. Oh my goodness, literally Slay. Literally Malcolm. Slay indeed. That was awesome. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Issa Johnson was the executive producer of today's show. Our producers were Amy Lopez and Jack Waterman and Sena Mahmood. And we also had help from Tolu Okegbenro, Curran Rostagi, Anthony Botino, and Mackenzie Johnson. Our board operator is AC Schick. Our live stream manager is Nina Mutadat. Tina Rubio is our coach. Sebastian Grubog is our production supervisor. Danny Bringer was our guest engineer today, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. Catch us live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News, Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. on The Dot. Subscribe to From Where We Are, wherever you're listening to right now. And finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Malcolm Caminero. And I'm Natalie Lozano. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From From Where Where We Are. Are. Thank you.